Bibles, you can turn when we're going to be in John chapter 10. All right, John chapter 10. We, let me kind of connect back up because last week we had communion and that was a different message. So let me get back into the sermon series that we're in the midst of. We're in the midst of looking at the seven I am statements that Jesus makes in the book of John. All right. Um, and we've covered basically the first five of those. Okay. So today we're going to be covering number six, um, which is I am the good shepherd. So we'll be looking at that. But remember, this is a section and passage in chapter 10 where it actually is the two I am statements connected. So two weeks ago, we, we talked about the fact that he said that he was the door. So I am the door. So that was the way. Remember how we talked about at the center of this for us in our, in our series, we looked at first three I am statements. And then when the fourth I am statement that we looked at is I am the way the truth and the life so the door is the way all right i am the good shepherd is what we'll be talking about today which is the truth and then the last one that we'll be looking at is where he uh uh says that where he talks about, I am the resurrection and the life. And that we're going to actually look at that for three weeks in and around Easter, okay? And so that is the life, all right? So basically, number four feeds into these other three I am statements where he gives us an example of the door being the way. And then today when we look at the Good Shepherd, we'll be talking about the truth. So I got something on here at the beginning of the outline and stuff for you. And it's basically, I just want to talk about an identity crisis and what that means and what that is and what that means for us spiritually as we get started. I'm going to give you a definition. Identity crisis is a period or episode of psychological distress often occurring in adolescence, but sometime in adulthood. And it's biological, behavioral, and belief, all right? When a person seeks a clearer sense of self and an acceptable role in society. Confusion as to goals and priorities. Those are the definitions that are listed for um, what it means to have an identity crisis. Okay, and we'll talk about that in a second. Now, I'm making a statement. This is a Tim statement here. It says this, Our identity, the way we perceive ourselves, is what shapes our core beliefs. Our core beliefs in turn drive what we think, say, and do. So, We've talked about this before, okay, and I've used this a lot thematically in the last six or eight months or so. But I told you that uh, trust and truth are, in, are connected, okay? You must have truth to be able to trust. And so we're talking about Jesus Christ today as the way, the truth, and the life. So when it says that I am the good shepherd, which we'll dig into in just a few moments, we have to trust that that is truth. If we lose our trust and no longer believe that that is truth, then we're going to have a spiritual identity crisis. Okay? Why? Because we don't know what to trust as truth anymore. So when people out in the world say, how could a loving God allow this to happen? You know, it's not a God thing. It's a sin thing. God created us to have a perfect relationship with him. Walked in the garden with us when we were first created. Then we sinned. When we sinned as a people, then we brought that into the world, and it is innate, the Scripture tells us. It is inborn in us now from person to person to person to person. Jesus told them in the garden that there would be death. And so he had to overcome that death spiritually, and we're going to see that he will overcome that death physically, okay, in the next few weeks. But when we, we have to believe that is truth. If we don't believe that is truth, then we cannot follow the way. If it's not truth, then we're going to not know what to trust. When we don't know what to trust, we have, 
we have faith in nothing. You, you know, I, you know they, they make a lot of statements about different groups of people, all right? And we're, we're all broken down by our age into different brackets and groups of folks. So one of the, the groups that we have in our country is called the millennials, right? Those born between certain age. They say millennials do not trust in anything that uh, foundationally we've always trusted in, in, in our country. Government, churches, religion. You know, any of those things, we've, all of these organizations and institutions, why has that happened? Because trust has been broken. And so because trust has been broken from those institutions with that generation, they don't know what truth is anymore. And so truth is what I say it is. So truth is what's good for me. So now everybody has their own individual experience, and that experience is what is truthful, Right? And so we can choose our own identity. We can change our own identity biologically. We can change our own identity spiritually. We can, we can say that we want to do this or we're this person. We can identify this way. Are you getting where I'm going here now? So, so because we've lost trust in that which is truth, now we have chaos. And everybody can do whatever they want to. So nobody knows what to follow anymore. So because there's no trust and because we don't perceive Jesus as truth, then there is no way that is right. And because there's no way that is right, no one knows how to follow. We're sheep. Do you get it? Everybody's a sheep. We're following something. And sometimes we're following just our own path but we're still following what we think or perceive is the way that we should go. So knowing all that, seeing all that, hearing all of that, let's dive into this passage right here. The statement that I want to wake, make as we begin to read is that it says, I am the good shepherd. This is our passport. Have any of you ever gone out of the country? All right. If you go out of the country and you stay for any period of time and you go into another country to get in, you've got to have what? passport. They stamp your passport while you're in there. When you go in the airport, they'll stamp you. They're going to ask you all kinds of questions. How long do you stay? What's the reason for your visit? Blah, blah, blah. All these different things. And then they're going to stamp your passport when you what? Leave. All right. That passport allows you to be in that country for a specific period of time for that journey, but you are not a what? You're not a uh, person that belongs in that country. That is not your home. So Jesus Christ is our good shepherd here, but this is not our what? This is not our home. He is our passport into where? Heaven. So we have to see that here, okay? And we have to understand that. He says this in this passage, verses 11 through 13. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not the shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them, scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and he is not concerned about the sheep. You and I are owned. Do you get that? This right here tells us that we are owned. Jesus giving us the passport into heaven, that gives us the identity of who we are. This is not our home. Our problems for us 
begin as believers and followers of Christ when we make this our home. This is not our home. I mean, this is our church, right? No, it's not our church. This, is, this church belongs to Christ. And it's been going on for two years. He's allowed two years, 200 years. He's allowed us to be here for 200 years, right? But nobody in this place owns this church, all right? Just because somebody's name is on a glass over here or may have a marker on something else, that doesn't mean they own that church. That means they just donated money to buy that particular thing, right? No one owns it. The pastor doesn't own it. We live in a day and age today where pastors are CEOs. They walk around like they own the church, and in some cases, they do. A guy told me a story one time about this. Now, this is a different denomination, and they did things differently, okay? This is not Southern Baptist. There's local autonomy of the church. But in that case, the money came from the mothership, high office of the, the denomination, to buy land and to build a church. Well, he wanted to build a church, and he went to the denomination, and they wouldn't give him the money. So he went out and raised the money himself and built the church. Well, guess what? He went one day and sold the church to the next pastor. The guy that he wanted to follow him. This denomination, they didn't own nothing, man. He owned the church. He owned the land. He owned the property. And when he got to ready to go, he's like, I got my retirement plan. I'm selling this to the next dude who's going to come in here. And, and after that, that guy kind of broke it all apart. No, they, can't, they didn't know who owned it. Because of the way it was done. We don't own this. We are not, we don't own ourselves. We live in a culture in a country today where it's all about rights, right? This is my body. And you can't tell me what I can do with my body, all these things. It's not, the scripture says, if we're going to believe this is truth, that we are slaves. We are slaves to sin or we're a slave to our master who allows us to be free. So get this. You have been bought and paid for with a price. Let's read about that. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, and then verse 19 and 20, it says, All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Or do you, Why? If you're mastered by something, you're a slave to it. You're addicted to it. If you're mastered by drugs or alcohol or different things like that, you're a slave to that, okay? I mean, that's the way that we should know that for what it is, okay? All right, and so it says, Or do you not know, and this is verse 19 and 20, that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Do you accept Christ Jesus as your Lord? The Spirit of God lives inside of you. He is in you. He owns you at that point. Whom you have, God, and you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. So if this is, if we reside in this shell right now, we are spiritual beings living in a physical body. What's going to happen to this physical body? It's going to die. It's going to get older first. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, why are you laughing? You laughing and looking at me? I looked at myself. I've been cleaning out my basement, consigning some, I mean, consolidating boxes. And I'm looking at pictures and I'm going, whoa, Lord, that was only 10 years ago. Oh, my gosh. You know, 3,650 days have been rough. Totally rough. 
you know? And I'm like, oh gosh, I, you know, all these things. So we look back and we think, hey, yeah, our bodies are changing. This is a shell. We are a spiritual soul that has been created by God to have a relationship with him. And Christ redeemed us back through that by his death on the cross. That is the purchase. That is the bought. So now that we are owned by him, he is the good shepherd. Anything else that we allow in is trying to be the thief. Remember how we talked about the door? He climbs over. He gets into the pen. He tries to steal the sheep out. He's a robber. He's a thief. He's trying to take from. Take from what belongs to the Lord. And when he wins, we shrug it off. But we need to understand that everybody that we've come in contact with, whether they're the same color, the same gender, the same country, the same religious background of how they were raised societally, they are a soul. A soul. Created by God. To have a relationship with Him. They just don't know what that is about sometimes. And we're so messed up within the church today that we're confused about it. And so we want everybody to come in and be a part of what we're a part of, and we don't even know what we're a part of anymore. So we have to know that there is a way and that this is truth. Not part of it truth. Not some of it truth which fits good for us. Not our self-defined truth of what it is so that we can make it our own. It is the gospel, and we are to find it. The good news it's not our news. It's God's news. And so I don't get to pick and choose what I want. If it says this and for, for me to act obediently, then I need to do it. And if someone that I know and someone that I love is outside of that, then I need to love them and hate that sin. And try earnestly through prayer and through the opportunities that I have from God to try to share the good news with them. And be an example. Don't be part of the problem. Be part of the answer. See it as an opportunity. And sometimes it is hard. It's hard sometimes, isn't it, Miss Marcia? It sure is. He says this, continuing on. The second thing he said that uh, is, is repeated in verse 11 and verse 14. It says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. So not only are you owned, but you are known. So you need to, for truth to have the true effect in your life, so that you will be willing to trust it to go out and live in faith. You got to know that you are owned, but you also got to know that he knows you. Do you know yourself? You do, don't you? It's scary, isn't it? Yeah, man. It's scary how people respond. We, we are so creatures of habit, aren't we? So creatures of habit. So when things come into our lives and we, we build a habit and a routine and it's just like I can smell brownies and I got to eat them. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's like I can sniff chocolate from like four miles away. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just I, I, my body. And I'm like, so other people are going, I don't even like chocolate. And I'm like, who are you? What kind of person are you? We know who we are. We know our weaknesses, right? We know our tendencies. We know our kids. <laughs> our kids know what we're going to say. It's amazing sometimes. Clay and Mallory will be in the room, and they're talking back and forth to each other, pretending to be Tamara and myself. <laughs> Saying the things that we would say back and forth to each other. Yeah. <laughs> that's fun, isn't it? <laughs> Children. Yeah, that's right. All right. Bring them in the world, but the Lord won't let you take them out. <laughs> that's right. So, or how about this? <laughs> Look, all right, I'm going to just have to tell you this one. I'm the only child, and when my mama put plate, food on the plate on the table, it was every person for themselves, just me, mom, and dad. So elbows on the table, man, forks and knives flying everywhere, food coming off the plate, you know what I mean? Sometimes we'd wipe our face, sometimes we wouldn't. You know, mama's just sitting there going, what is this? There's two of y'all. Y'all have repeated yourself. Well, guess what? When I had children, I'm at the table. Tamara's dad, um, Tamara's dad is, is gone to be with the Lord now, but he was definitely, uh, uh, at the, he had manners at the table. <laughs> he hated me. All right. I didn't have any. You know, so I'm coming in, I'm like reaching over with my hand, grabbing. He would like take the fork and go, <clears throat> would you like me to pass that to you? <laughs> no, I can reach it. <laughs> I'll, I can get it. It'd be all right, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's a Green Beret too, you know what I mean? He's like ex-military. I'm like, he'll take you out back, buddy. <clears throat> It'll be all over. But now when I... Constantly, when our children were young, tomorrow was like, "Get your elbows off the table, please! Don't do this! Don't do that!" So now, <laughs> I'm in our house. We got this. Why did we did this? I have no idea. All right, no idea. But there's a red rug up under our table where we eat at all the time. So I vacuum in. I'm vacuuming in the house, and I'm like, "These kids, man! I can tell where Clay sits and where Mallory sits. I'm like, they did it go in their mouth or did it just go straight to the floor? <laughs> Whose children are these?" They're what? My children. Yeah, did you hear that giggle over there? They're your children. Because the whole time when they were growing up, she's like, they're going to grow up and they're going to eat like you. You just need to stop this right now. Get your elbows off the table. I will pass you the food. Eat properly. And it's repeated and repeated generationally, generationally. You know, you're laughing because what? You see it in your own kids, don't you? My wife told me my kids were going to end up like that, and doggone it, they did. But the fun part about it for me is I see some of the same stuff in her, and we talk about that too. But I'm not going to drag her under the bus this morning because <laughs> her list is longer. We need to go to lunch, all right? All right? You are known. God knows you. He knows you. Knows you better than you even know yourself. He put you together. Scripture says that he knitted you together in your mother's womb. We don't even call that life in our country. We're trying to get that back and redefine what that is. 
And it's a fight. Because why? This is my body. I can do with it what I want to. And I have rights. I'm not anti-women at all. Having babies or any of the things. But what I am trying to say is we got this wrong. And how about on the other end? I don't want to live no more. I want to pay somebody to help take me out of here. We are life. He breathed it into us, and he, it is done when he says it is done. It is not for us to determine on either end, but we do it all the time. Why? Because we don't want pain. We don't want suffering. We don't want responsibility. We don't want any of that. We've lost our truth. We've lost our core, and we don't realize this. This is not a political statement. I know it happened under... <laughs> Tamar just went, ugh. It's not, because it happens on both parties under different presidents and different things. But when we stand up there legislatively and we make decisions, and then we sign these things and these laws into, you know, bills into laws and things like that, we have no idea what the girth of them in, uh, are. When we redefined marriage in our country, we took the bo- lid off that box and now everybody's wanting to try to put pieces of it back in because they're like, whoa, whoa, this is not what we intended. This is not, this is, this is not what I thought it was going to be. And we're wanting to pick and choose what we can put back in the box. The problem is we took the lid off and everything's out of the box now. We can't put stuff back in. And so when everybody was fighting hard to keep marriage defined as what God ordained as marriage, why? Because God said it was that way. But when we take that off the box that way, we can't put it back. When we say, when we take God out of schools, we had no idea, right, of what it would become. When we take God out of our home, we don't see the repercussions of what, what we're doing. We're making a decision. We're wanting to go our own way. We talked about this a lot. Jesus says this in John three sixteen. I am the, he says it in John, John 16, 316 says that Jesus, that God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Then right after that, he says everybody didn't like the light. They liked the darkness. And they wanted to stay in the darkness. And so why? Because that's where our sin is. And nobody knows. If nobody knows our weaknesses, our faults, and our flaws, they think we're okay. But we're not okay letting everybody know who we are because we've lost our identity. We want to be known for something that's other than what God intended for us. And we forgot that we are slaves. All of us are slaves. Slave to sin or slave to the Lord. And when we allow stuff to master us, then we are under its bondage. You are known, Psalms 139, 1 through 3, verse 7, and then verse 13 and 14. O Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know me when I sit down. You know me when I rise up. You understand my thoughts from afar. You scrutinize my path, my lying down. 
and are intimately acquainted in all my ways. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can you go from your spirit? Do you know that's a big S? That's not talking about your spirit as a natural born person. That's talking about the what? Holy Spirit. Where can you go from the Holy Spirit? <laughs> nowhere. There's nowhere where you can hide. The passage we just read before said that what? The Spirit of God lives within you, 1 Corinthians said. So when you accept God as your Savior, you get the Holy Spirit. You get God inside of you forever. You cannot say, okay, Lord, I'm going to go on vacation. I'll be back. Let me step outside my body. Doesn't happen. There is no separation. Where can I flee from your presence? Nowhere. Why? Because he's omnipresent. He's everywhere at all times. We like to think today that God has left. God has left the room and we're down here in chaos. And he'll come back one day and resume and put order back in. He has not gone anywhere. Anywhere at all. He's still with us every place, all time. For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. See, that's David. Scripture says David was a man after God's own heart. Scripture also says David was really screwed up. And he, cons- he committed some of the most atrocious, by our standards, sins that there are, right? He murdered. He covered it up. He had relations with someone outside of marriage. He you know, had an illegitimate child. He didn't take care of his family, and they fought against each other, killed each other. I mean, we'd look on that today and go, who is this guy? They called him king. How about, how about another one? How about a physical king that we have to, today or in, in, in um, the course of annals of history? How about like Henry? Was it Henry VIII? I mean, why does that dude have? What did he do? He wanted a divorce, so he went in and changed the church, right? <laughs> if you won't give me a divorce, then I'll make a new pope. And then he created a church to separate from that church. So from the Roman Catholic Church, we get the Church of England, right? Because of all of this. Look, man, that's all doing because he wanted to do what he wanted to do. Now, I want you to think about something. How much of what your mess that you live in today and call life is because you do what you want to do? Instead of what the, God, the Lord says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes through the Father except what? Through me. And we wonder, we wonder when we look at all this, why it's such a mess. It's a mess because we're not following. It's a mess because we're not looking for the way or listening for the truth or living the life. 
And then we look back on 10 years and some photos, and we may look older, but we also go, man, I really had it together back then. What's changed between then and now? God hadn't left. Scripture just said that. Hadn't left you. Hadn't left this place. What's changed is us. And we've re-identified ourselves. The church has re-identified itself. Instead of standing out as a light in a dark world, we want the church, we want the society to accept us. That's the wrong place to look for acceptance. Because society may accept us, but God may not. You choose. Can we talk about that last week? Who do you say I am? Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. If we know that and we believe that, then starting next week and around Easter and the Sunday after Easter, we got to live that. And that separates belief from faith. You can believe and not trust the truth. Oh, I believe that there's a God. Do you follow him? Do you live for him? That separates you. Step out. See these statements for what they are. Jesus Christ is identifying himself. And through these statements, he ended up on a cross. And he died. But he died so that you could have life. And I could have life. Not a great life here on this earth, but life eternal. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you again for this day. This is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice. We will be glad in it. Father, I pray for our attitudes. I pray for our thought processes. I pray, Father, for the understanding of your word to the point where it's not just something that we read every week or we come and we hear read to us during a service or a Bible study, but something that we live. And, Father, that it is the way. And though we may come in contact with family members and friends and the associates that we work with or even children's friends and people that we know in our lives who live contrary to this, we still love them. But we don't love what separates them from you. And we don't accept that separation as truth. We accept your word as truth. And Father, I pray that in everything that we do, that earnestly this day, that we will live for you. Not as judgmental people, but as children of God, merciful and compassionate because you have shown mercy and compassion towards us. Loving because you first loved us. With joy and peace in our hearts. Father, it's these things we ask for, these things we pray now, in Christ Jesus' name, amen.